Ladies and gentlemen, this is Pause Reviews. Welcome back to another episode of the Pause Reviews podcast. And not just any episode, a Happy New Year episode. Yeah. yeah. It's the greatest time of the year to count down from 10. <laughs> As always, <laughs> always, I'm your host, Frank. And uh, you have heard from my co-host, Tim. Yeah. <laughs> How is your backwards counting, Tim? I've never been more excited to count down you know, from 10. I mean, this is... The year that wasn't, but was filled with everything. Dude, this means nothing to me usually. I am not a New Year's person. We don't do the New Year's parties. You know, tomorrow will feel exactly the same as today, usually. I must say, this year, I I am so... I, I think it's just that I have to... In order to have made it through 2020, I've had to really, like grab on to the idea that all this bad stuff will be fully contained within 2020 and then we can just jettison it off into space and be done with it and that magically it'll all be better it does make me question all the times that you know i've been like good riddance 2017 you sucked but little did i know (laughs) (laughs) you didn't know what suck was right like i'm sorry 2017 i'd gladly take you back i don't even remember what happened in 2017 but uh you know it it is we lived our lives tim (laughs) right we we lived our lives and i don't know it just i literally i think because i've spent nine months at home it literally feels like yesterday was the holiday season because that was sort of like the last time that things really felt normal was the holiday season of last year. So, you know, I will say like the holidays have surprisingly felt genuine. I I thought they were going to feel different. You know, it started, you know, Thanksgiving. I mean, it's all, it's obviously different. Sure. Yes. But I don't know. Again, maybe I just was craving some kind of happiness so bad that my brain just accepted it as normal and fine and i was it was a pleasant surprise it was a pleasant surprise i i actually liked it as a good change of pace um but i don't really want to make a habit of it you know for sure yeah it it was it was it was nice though i I think uh, i absolutely agree with you uh for sure well either way we wish you all out there a happy and safe new year as you celebrate hopefully still socially distanced okay one more awkward weird thing obviously this is not New Year's. Right. <laughs> this is the magic of podcasting. Yep. We're recording this actually the day after Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. Right. because we have to cram as many episodes as possible into the next couple of weeks because Lord Timbo here is about to have yeah. his first baby. Yeah. So by the time you actually hear this, we should have the baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> if all goes well, a human baby will have been born. Yeah. yeah. I did tell Carissa today, though, that we, you know, we have my sister got us mugs that say like mom and dad established 2020 and i was like i mean i guess we we're still technifically we're established 2020 like we're mom and dad by now right like oh i see what you're saying yeah 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 yeah. that's that still works you know i was gonna Um, establish 202 and then a sharpie comes with it right 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 (laughs) 
my great grandfather did that actually. He had his family plot on his tombstone written out, and his name was there. You know, nineteen hundred to nineteen dash. And uh, my grandmother says, you know, him old man is so cheap. You know, he better die in the next two years because he's never going to pay to have that tombstone uh, replaced. And he actually died the next week in nineteen ninety eight. So she's like, I told you, he was not gonna. He didn't want to live to be a hundred because then he's going to have to have that whole stone replaced. So. Oh my God, that's hilarious. So we've established that it isn't New Year's, but yet somehow it is. And yeah. we've established that Tim doesn't have a baby, but yet somehow he does. Um, and now let's talk about the movie we're here to talk about, which this went through so many, what, the, whatever we were going to talk about this week, it has gone back and forth with, you know, yes. are we, I think we talked about doing Harry Met Sally, Gatsby, mm-hmm. whatever. But then I watched the Netflix original movie rebecca and it's a remake of a 1940 classic we'll get into more of that in a second the second i saw this movie we had to talk about it we've been waiting for this for a while i remember you telling me this months ago that this movie was coming out and it was something that we were looking forward to it's like freaky and rebecca were like the two that i knew were coming and so like you know i've been kind of chomping at the bit to 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 get on this movie and uh, it did not disappoint. Uh, not only did our choice of movie for this week go through iterations, what we wanted to talk about regarding this movie went through iterations because there's a lot going on here. <laughs> yeah. So what are we watching? Rebecca. We also we watched both of them. So we watched the 2020 yeah. remake on Netflix, and we also watched the 1940 Hitchcock original, uh, which is available on YouTube. So you can yeah. watch it for free there. Both of these movies are based on the novel of the same name by Daphne du Maurier. I have not read the book. Tim, I don't think you, we have a whole episode called We Don't Read Books. Yeah, um, that's true. <laughs> but I haven't read this one yet. Uh, this movie, the reason I was excited about it is because this is a book my wife has read yes. a lot. She's read this book multiple times, absolutely loves it, would never stop talking about it begging me to read it i had also never seen the original so when i heard this was coming out i was fired up because it, it just had so much build up yeah i mean i think it's great that we have our little in-house reference so somebody who has read the book yeah everyone's gotta have reading. someone who reads books uh so i think that 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 is awesome but um you know a 1940 original and this is like you know, this is a big movie from hitchcock so oscar winning yeah it, it's remarkable um you know there's 80 years between these two but there's some stuff going on with the reviews too and the aggregates on this stuff that's really fascinating and and that's why i said earlier like you know we kind of changed how we wanted to talk about this we were going to you know 2020 you know strictly and then after watching 1940 and reading some of the reception on both of these it's kind of i don't ends up not feeling we can talk about one movie specifically because they're just kind of married to each other Um, whether you like it or not. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially by these reviews. So given that we are going to talk about both of these movies, 19 or 2020 and 1940. Um, So let's give a little bit of the background first for the 2020 most recent remake. It was released October 21st of this year, 2020 rated PG 13 directed by Ben Wheatley and you know ben wheatley is not someone i'd ever really heard of and looking into him a little bit he's really just done a lot of random tv and a few indie movies maybe most notably for me was high rise with tom hiddleston from 2015 but since rebecca 
He's already been announced as the director uh, for a set of sequels in Tomb Raider 2 and The Meg 2. <laughs> okay. So he's starting to get some. I do, I'm not going to lie to you. We're going to do an episode about The Meg one day. I, I watched it. it you know, I, sure, let's it do was, it. It was wild. Um, <laughs> it was written by Jane Goldman, which if you haven't heard of Ben Wheatley, you're not alone. Jane Goldman has is a superstar in the yeah. writing community. She did Stardust, Kick-Ass, The Debt, X-Men First Class, Woman in Black, X-Men Days of Futures Past, Kingsman 1 and 2. She is mm-hmm. penning the Game of Thrones prequel pilot episode and the upcoming Little Mermaid live-action film. Dang! Yo, she is stacked with credits. And all of these movies, legit, legit good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was also co-written by the writing team of Joe Shrapnel and Anna Waterhouse, who are probably best known for their movies Race, with the Jesse Owens story, uh-huh. and Seaberg. We're not going to do the budget stuff because it's a Netflix movie, so it doesn't really matter. Nope. There's no box office. So before we get on to the Rotten Tomatoes scores and that kind of stuff, a little bit of background in 1940, it was yep. released, Rebecca, same title, released April 12th of 1940. There is no rating. They didn't do that then. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has a slightly longer runtime, about two hours, 10 minutes, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. He has 71 films <laughs> that he's directed. <laughs> if you don't know who he is, I mean, really... But just in case, it takes all kinds, right? He did Psycho, Dial M for Murder, The Birds, Vertigo, North by Northwest. Those are some of his more well-known because they came later in his career. Um, It was written by Robert E. Sherwood, who I don't really know much about. And even when I was looking up his credits, I couldn't. I mean, this was the 40s. So (laughs) I couldn't tell you any of the other movies, really. And Joan Harrison also co-wrote it. What's interesting about Joan Harrison, she was Alfred Hitchcock's assistant. That's how she started and slowly became a book reader and all this other kind of stuff to help him find scripts and eventually became a writer and went on to have a a writing career of her own away from Hitchcock. She moved on to MGM and and other places. But anyways, I thought that was fairly interesting. But what's really interesting is the Rotten Tomato stuff. Yep, absolutely. I mean, this is actually what grabbed me when I started reading about just uh, after watching the first one, then reading about just some of the differences and and reception of both of these, the 1940 version has a hundred percent score on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's Academy Award winning (laughs) film. The new version has a 40% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And when you really start digging into the reviews, people are really bugged that this movie exists is really sort of what it comes down to um and i think that that's really going to fuel some of our 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 thoughts on this but what really gets me is there's not much of a difference between these two movies uh, besides the 80 years that separates them uh, to have that drastic of a score is is shocking to me you know we we talk a lot you, you hear people talk about oh movies that are untouchable that you know for people in our generation you know like oh how could they ever remake a ferris bueller or uh a uh back to the future something like that that's untouchable right it, i've never heard of rebecca it's not even in the top you know the, the the hitchcock films that you 
you know, uh, listed off before are some of his later films, but those are the ones you know, The Birds, Psycho, stuff like that. This wouldn't have been in at all anywhere near the top five that I would have named. Right. And so for this to get pulled, especially as a Netflix original, it's not surprising. I mean, this is the story is really, really good. But then, like I said, watching the 1940 version, I, I'm these are it's a shot for shot remake. So I'm not sure where that 40 percent or 60 percent drop off in rating comes from. Uh, it, it, it's it's very surprising, and I think that's that's what's going to fuel our conversation here. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, what is this movie about? A wealthy widower, Max De Winter, played in 2020 by Army Hammer. Mm-hmm. In 1940, by Laurence Olivier, he meets a young lady's companion, and the two are swept into a whirlwind romance. But when the young bride, they get married at the end of this whirlwind, uh, mm-hmm. the young bride, played by Lily James in 2020, and Joan Fontaine in 1940, uh, when she thinks she's about to start her fairy tale life and move to Manderley, uh, she very quickly discovers that she is, and this house is haunted by the memory of the mysterious former Mrs. De Winter, Rebecca. So that's sort of the general synopsis. And now let's dive in. You touched on this, Tim, and, and this is exactly what's going to drive the rest of our conversation. When we saw this stark contrast in in reviews and ratings from 1940 to 2020 you have to ask yourself why like yeah. is it that much worse Be, especially given the fact that i loved the 2020 version i had seen it first right so as i mentioned earlier on when netflix announced this i was excited based on what my wife had said about the book for so long and and i knew it had been made in into a film in the 40s i knew hitchcock had done it i knew it had won the oscar for best picture i had just never seen it so when i watched it i had no background no foundation and i loved it i'm pretty sure i like i called you immediately and i was like everything we've been talking about for new year's scrap it we're doing rebecca um and i knew we had to do this episode because this movie was so rich and layered there's so much to this story now when we heard how poorly received it was i just couldn't understand why i loved it so much so that's when we decided we had to watch both and try to decide was the original really that much better? Yeah, I mean, there there had to be something that it was missing, something that it strayed from the source material. Though, again, you have your your in-house novel reader that says the 2020 version is, is pretty on par um, with, yeah. with, you know, the, the novel. So it, as we were know, watching it, she was like she was she was live trying to, you know, figure out what might be different. She, I'm pretty sure that's pretty close. That's pretty close. So. Yeah, I mean, to, to kind of to circle back to what I said before, it's not like you're taking a a property that is well known in recent pop culture and then just remixing it completely and making some crazy bold choices. As we're gonna see, nothing is really that dramatic, um, and you're coming from the same source material, r- material, right? So you you're not gonna take a book and go completely off script then what's the point of doing it based on this book right so these 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 movies are going to end up being very similar but so then why what what is what is the hate and how many people out there are you know 
seething. Why are they seething over the fact that this movie from 80 years ago, like, has been remade? And, and as a Netflix original movie, you know, it's not even something that was, you know, in widely in theaters. So it seems like the perfect kind of IP to turn into a, a movie, an, an updated movie. Yeah. So I think what we should do is we should dive into this and break it down as what did 1940 do well? And mm-hmm. by contrast, we'll chat a bit about why what was lacking in the 2020 version as a result. Sure. And then what did 2020 do really well? And again, vice versa. And then just try to bring this home and see if, you know, does 2020 really deserve all this hate? So let's yep. start with 1940. I think the biggest difference, and this is right off the bat, is uh, their meet cute in in the beginning? If you if you want to call it that in 1940, <laughs> right? Uh, it's more of a "don't kill yourself" meet sort of. <laughs> uh, there is no movie, but this opens up, and um, we'll call her Mrs. De Winter because she's actually not named in in the novel or either movie. Um, she's not given any um, any name, um, so she's not Mrs. The new Mrs. De Winter yet, but. She's on vacation. Uh, she is, you know, with her lady. Yeah, she's, she's a know, lady's companion. Companion. So she's paid to travel with this woman and be a friend, essentially. Yeah. Um, so she's on vacation, you know, as a lady's companion, and she's out for a stroll and immediately comes across this guy who's about to throw himself off a cliff in Monte Carlo. That is a far cry from from where twenty twenty is. Twenty twenty is your genuine kind of silly first meet um you know she's down making reservations at the cafe at the hotel where they're staying trying to get her um her proprietress proprietor i don't really know what i want to call her um you know her the, employer the, the, the employer yeah let's go with that um you know trying to get her <laughs> employer a uh they have such a strange relationship it's it's yeah. very odd you know she's trying to get her employer a seat uh near this gentleman maxim de winter who she finds out is um is also vacationing there and they have one of those awkward uh kind of conversations at the host stand he doesn't identify himself and you know he's oh why would you want to sit with that guy here he's boring or something like that you know and then she the host comes over he's like oh mr de winter here's your table and she's like oh it was him all along (laughs) yeah right and but 1940 like she has no idea who this guy is and he's about to hurl himself off a cliff Ultimately, what that does in 1940 is it does a better job of setting the tone from the first scene and kind of answers the struggle that Max will have for the rest of the movie. Um, it sets up the struggle with his past and it, it just it's a clearer look into why he has this aversion to water. This comes up quite a bit um, in the 2020 version. You're just kind of like, oh, okay, this guy doesn't like the ocean. Um, but it's it's much clearer in 1940. You know, sets it up from the beginning. So that's that's off the bat was strikingly different to me how the, the tone of these two movies starts was was dramatically different. Yeah, and, and exactly like you said, I, th- I think that scene in particular really sets the stage for everything you're going to see moving forward. And it helps it just all make sense. And it's really firmly rooted from from jump. Whereas in 2020, things are revealed and then you have to do a little more work to work backwards and try to find, oh, which again, that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Some people, if you like sort of having things revealed, you know, as surprises and then do the mental work to kind of have those aha moments. Oh, so that's what that meant when I saw it you know, an hour and yeah. 20 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> but again, you know, so it's kind of, it depends on what you're looking for. But 
also to kind of piggyback off this, so Laurence Olivier plays Maxim de Winter, and uh, in addition to this tone being set well in the movie, I think Olivier does a really great job, and, and maybe a better job than Army Hammer. Not maybe, he does. He's Laurence Olivier. Right. Um, you know, but he does a better job of depicting this duality within Max de Winter, right? He... The the whole idea here is that Max de Winter's wife, Rebecca, has died mysteriously, yeah. tragically, mysteriously to us, right? We're, we sort of piece things together as we go. Uh, everyone understands that the story is she drowned at sea in her boat. She was sailing and she drowned because uh, the ship sank. But there's you're always led to believe that there's something not quite right about... Yeah how it happened, why it happened, that kind of a thing. And and Max is weird about it throughout the movie. Absolutely. Um, and so when he meets the new Mrs. De Winter, she, his wife has already been dead for a bit. Everyone feels, everyone's always talking about how he's lonely, how devastated he was. Mm-hmm. And that opening scene also kind of shows you that. He's pretty short with her but when they meet again later he is drawn to her and and you as the movie plays on you you can kind of see him falling in love right he's yeah he's been surrounded by this this event this tragedy this darkness and she is this new light and she is young and energetic and enthusiastic and naive and cute and and all this kind of stuff right yeah and so you genuinely see him falling in love with her. He appreciates her. He, you know, is brought back to life by her. Yeah. And then has these moments sprinkled throughout where something triggers the memory of Rebecca, right? Yeah. Be it the water or be it uh, a book or a dress or whatever else. And he has these moments where he goes dark, and, mm-hmm. and I feel like Olivier does this incredible job of making you fully believe that he is happy and in love with his new life. And then a, a, a switch will flip and he's suddenly very drawn into himself, very sure. reserved, very protective of this mystery of the death of his first wife. Yeah. Um, where I don't think Army Hammer is as as equipped to really bring that to the screen. You know, it has to be almost bipolar. It has to be highs, the highest of highs and pure joy with then this really unexpected, unexplained shift to this other person. Yeah. And I think in 2020, a lot of the times when he was, you know, calling for her, sending her notes, I was always surprised. It was like, why? Why does he want to continue to hang out with her? Right? Like it just he didn't seem to be getting that much pleasure from from, you know, having her around. Where in 1940, it's like, no, like they seem to be developing a relationship here and and it just it felt a little bit more natural um in, in 1940. Yeah. And you know, I think exactly like what you're saying in 2020, you do kind of wonder a bit more, why does he want to be so involved? Because even at his best moments, he still feels a little bit lukewarm to her. Yeah. And alternatively, though, while Lawrence Olivier does an incredible job 
um, depicting Max's duality, I think Lily James does a really great job in 2020 of showing the the soon to be Mrs. De Winter falling in love with Maxim. You you mentioned yeah. the notes part, and I thought that bit was really sweet and cute. I think 2020 does a great job at showing her falling in love she yes. it, it shows her her youth there's a scene where she's like in the bed reading these little notes he's he is always leaving a note oh let's go for a drive oh let's yeah. this there's a scene where she's like reading them back in bed and she's like oh a note for you mademoiselle and she's like, oh <laughs> thank you monsieur and and it's just it's really really cute and additionally i think this results in the remake leaning a bit more on elements that don't really ever fully pay off because you totally buy Lily James's love, but mm -hmm. you know, Max's struggle is the driving element of this movie. Yes. And if that's suffering a bit compared to the 1940s version, well then you got to make that up somewhere. And, and they do this a little bit. Uh, a, a key scene that comes to mind is this sleepwalking bit Mm -hmm. right like yeah. it doesn't fully pay off but they have to try to show him being drawn to this this past life like i guess what i'm getting at is it, it's a it's a point that a lot of people criticize in the 2020 yeah. movie <laughs> um you know it, it doesn't fully pay off sure i understand it seems kind of forced i think what it's meant to do is to further make mrs de winter feel like he is drawn to this great love and that sure. she isn't quite that. Yep. Um, but I think more than that, you know, as a sleepwalker <laughs> myself, this is true. <laughs> um, so I have, I have been a sleepwalker since I was a, a kid. It is any forever struggle. It drives my wife crazy at times. Sometimes it's hilarious, but, <laughs> but I was thinking about it and the two main reasons why people sleepwalk is yeah. uh extreme fatigue right okay. so you're not getting good sleep um sure. and then secondly is stress and okay. so if you think about this character who is shrouded with this mystery and as we're going to come to find out very troubled by this dark past that he mm -hmm. has with rebecca you know, it would make sense that if he's a sleepwalker that would trigger him to do that and it would read one way to the new Mrs. De Winter, but in mm -hmm. fact be a telling sign of a of a of a deeper darkness dwelling beneath the surface. But yes. again, that's not really flushed out. And if you don't have that knowledge or have that understanding, like I had to work for that. And yeah. and I could accept that. But the casual viewer couldn't. And so because of all this, I you know, the nineteen forties version does a slightly better job with this relationship and these characters at sort of painting a clearer picture that you've gotta work a little bit harder for in twenty twenty. Yeah. I mean I think to it's to kind of close the 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 loop on just their you know, this beginning the impetus of getting to the you know, the the second half or even the the the, the middle half of this movie. It, it, you come up with different parts early on that work better in either side. Um, and I think, you know, you talk about Lily James's performance in 2020 and then Lawrence Olivier's, you know, work in 1940, they each get you to buy 
the marriage part that gets you to the next movie or gets to get you to the next part of the movie. Oh yeah. That's in, interesting in, in their movie. Um, but that's that, that it's not reciprocated <laughs> by their counterparts in their, 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 their respective movies. Right. Um, so I think, uh, we have two halves that work really well in each of those movies. Um, but kind of moving on what the 20, what we, what I feel like the 2020 version really did well. Um, it's just, it had a, it had a darker tone to it. I don't know if that is just kind of, you put it up there with something like, um, the haunting of blind manor or, you know, these Gothic stories that we're getting with like Hill house and things like that. Mm. Um, but it was it was it had a much darker tone, and it really ends up feeling like a ghost story much more than the nineteen forties does. To the point that if a ghost had popped out at any point in this movie, I would have accepted it. It it, it felt sort of like a natural progression, and I really liked that. Right, I liked being kind of pulled to that edge and never getting there because that really delivers on. The fact that the real ghost is the memory, right? The memory of this woman and yes. the the lingering impact of Rebecca and and just the the impact that she had on everybody in her sphere of influence, um, and it being so different than what we ultimately come to find out was her influence on her own husband, right? And there are some other elements in the 2020 that maybe start to push that a little too far. There's some of those weird dream sequences, and there's like a bloating bloated body floating around in the water at times weird Um, birds yeah some weird bird situation so we get really close to that point where i really was expecting it um but it's not and that just kind of makes it even that much more haunting so i'm definitely i got a creepier vibe from 2020 than i ever did from 1940 i love that you bring this up i was you know and especially on the on the sort of heels of of october watching so many Mm -hmm. horror movies yeah this movie felt so much like a ghost story so much like a horror movie at times but it never gave into that which would be the easy answer right yeah it it is oh it's a ghost great (laughs) right but this this was so much more complicated this was so much more nuanced in the terms of the how the memory of a person can be more haunting than than even just uh, a general haunting and and i think that made it so much more tangible and mm-hmm. real but there it also just really like it was such a satisfying element where mm-hmm. to 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 be made to trigger all those same feelings endorphins and all that stuff by a means other than what you would expect yeah. was it really spoke to how the the masterful filmmaking behind this movie but just the storytelling it's it starts with i would imagine the novel and yep. and it has traveled through these but it really comes home in 2020 because i think it's just so much darker and and part of that i think too is that in 2020 we're able to take full advantage of modern filmmaking technology and and i hate i hate reviewing a movie and saying that you know if we're going to do a compare and contrast you can't 
always fully compare 1940 to 2020, right? Sure. 1940 can't help the fact that it didn't have what we have today, Correct. right? And so, so I'm not saying this to say that 1940 is less than because of it. I just mm -hmm. think that 2020 is able to better drive home certain elements. And, and one of them is this tone and this tension because being able to deliver a full color film and being able to shoot more on location and, and all mm -hmm. this kind of stuff, you can drive home that native tension building, right? And we see it here through, you know, we open up in beautiful, bright Monte Carlo. And, you know, when all of a sudden the De Winters make their first arrival to Manderley, the film takes a drastic turn and it yeah. goes from gorgeous full color to essentially black and white and you visually are shown that and it drives that into you you feel that tension you feel that shift it the movie is suddenly colder it is more Absolutely. haunting it is it is all of those things you go from you just go to this stark palette and and you feel that when you watch it i mean you're really it's driving home the fish out of water experience that the new Mrs. De Winter is going through, right? Like, I think they cast in both movies, but especially in 2020, I think, you know, I spent a lot of the movie going, oh, Lily James just feels weird in this role. And she, but it's meant to be that way, right? And this, yes. everything that you're saying is, is, is further driving that home that I'm really uncomfortable from the minute we get to that house. That house is packed, right? There's, there's uh, paintings everywhere it's overbearing everything is thick the, oppressive the, it's yeah. so oppressive the room that they are uh, the master suite now is thick and dark and heavy oak furniture and the old master suite that that they kind of wander into at times is bright and airy and, and white and silver but everything feels so oppressive like the the staff feels like sullen and, and overbearing and even the the handmaid that they give to mrs de winter is she's quiet and like nobody's very friendly right Who, who's there and it doesn't feel like a lovely place especially when she's been told by her previous employer how great and how wonderful and how beautiful this place is and you go from like you said a beautiful monte carlo to this place where you're just uncomfortable just drives home her feeling of being out of place there and it it just it feels gross <laughs> you are so spot on and you you forget when you hear people talk about manderley and there's, mm -hmm. it's like one of the great estates in all of England that never shows on screen. And, mm -hmm. and you forget how big this house is supposed to be because you are moving through such tight spaces and you are oppressed not only by the house, but also by the memory of this woman. Danvers constant eyes looking on, uh, mm -hmm. Mrs. Danvers is, we haven't gotten to her just yet, but she is the head of the house. Um, but she was the, I guess, the the per, the personal the lady's maid or whatever to yes. Rebecca. So she mm -hmm. came to the house with Rebecca and has stayed on after her death and runs the house. Um, yeah. But you know she's constantly watching, constantly oppressing. You feel constantly beaten down by everything in this movie in 2020, 
And, and you don't fully get that because in 1940, because you're so limited, right? And, and that's evident in many ways. In 1940, yeah. there are six actors in the entire movie, and they're basically the only six people you ever see. Right. Mm-hmm. You see Danvers, you see De Winter, you see Mrs. De Winter, you see the sister, you see her husband, and then maybe the butler and I guess the cousin. Right. Yeah. So right. like six or seven people. And so even in moments like with the masquerade ball, you can juxtapose you can juxtapose certain elements of this movie. Monte Carlo, huge, huge sweeping views. You know, beautiful scenery, all this kind of stuff. And then you feel very oppressed at Manderley. And then at the ball, further oppressed by so many people jammed into an area that already felt small. And, you know, whereas in 1940, that ball scene is like three people. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a ball. So, yeah, you know, you touch on that masquerade ball. And there's that there's a huge reveal that happens there. You know, they Massive. they get um, uh, Mrs. De Winter into a dress that is based on a portrait of Max's favorite aunt, right? And when Mrs. De Winter comes down the steps in 1940, she's revealed to the four other people <laughs> that are currently at the ball. Right? We've gotten the sense that nobody else has arrived yet. They're 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 they want her to come down and greet the guests. In the 2020 version, she's late. Everybody's already arrived, and she has a drum roll entrance, and she presents herself to the entire ball, and Max is distraught at her appearance. That holds so much more weight in front of, uh, you know, a a hallway, a grand foyer of a hundred people than it does in front of four people, right? You know, if, if if you trip down the stairs in front of one person, you're like, <laughs> my bad. But if you trip, you know, on your wedding day in front of a hundred people that's a hundred times more embarrassing. And so just to have that room full of people with so many eyes on you, there's nowhere to get away from that. And then the rest of the party to potentially feel like you're, when you have to come back, it's your house. You invited people here to come back and, and wonder if people are snickering at you. Like, you know, it's just adds to that oppressiveness. It, it is really, really upset <laughs> really upsetting yeah but it also it, it, again it just feels so intentional in 2020 not only yes. with how you can film it but like you said the casting i i feel like people watching this maybe you know if you're trying to compare army hammer to Lawrence olivier or you're trying to do all these or lily james maybe you're not the biggest fan but everyone is in place for a purpose yeah. and, and i think the focus in 2020 is less on the actors driving the story, which I know this sounds weird, but I feel like in 1940, you're putting big name people in there to tell you a story. Mm-hmm. I think here the story tells you the story and everything yeah. else just serves that these themes, these feelings, these things that you get from watching you, right? Like seeing people yeah. who maybe don't belong just further makes you uncomfortable. It's all you can, that helps you, that helps you feel what she feels. Yeah. Right. This is a much more emotional film, I think. I think yeah. I think that is evident in the new version. And you you're talking about casting, and I I think there's a couple of other characters in the 2020 version that are better or more fulfilling for me uh than in the nineteen forty version. I think Mrs. Van Hopper, who mm. is Mrs. DeWinter's employer at the beginning, in the twenty twenty version, she is nasty and vindictive and i have never hated someone in such a short period of 
screen time as much as I have hated this, like instantly hated this woman. She gets sick. And I was like, Oh, I hope she dies. In Dude, well, even that in the second scene, she looks disgusting. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, absolutely. Oh. She's vomiting into a bucket and you're like, Oh, good, good. She deserves this. Like, I just hated her. I, t- I think I texted you. I was like, I hate this woman so much. And I'm five minutes into this movie. Yeah. Um, and it, just the way that that character is played, uh, it just changes kind of a lot of that opening, um, the opening of this film. She's so vindictive and angry that, you know, uh, Max is kind of doting on her employee who is, you know, working for 90 pounds a year and is, you know, dressed like a, you know, a, a, she's a servant, essentially. She's paid to be friends to this wealthy woman. Um, and she's she, so upset when DeWinter calls her Miss Van uh, yeah. Hopper. And she's yeah. like, she's not related. This is staff. Right. Yeah. right. And uh, in 1940, she just is more of a, a socialite, you know, just the kind of a she's still a, a jerk, but, you know, a, a jerk because she's in the upper class. Right. Sure. Not not anything more than that. Alternatively to that, someone I think in 2020 is well done um, is Max DeWinter's sister. Mm-hmm. So in yep. 2020, she's played by Keely Hawes. In 1940, she feels kind of the same as Van Hopper, just sort yeah. of this jerk, you know, like this socialite jerk, better than everybody because she is who she is. And she seems like she acts like she's better than Max's wife. Yeah. Um, and just really comes across terribly. Whereas in 2020, Keely Hawes plays her as more of a as more of a loving and embracing type woman mm-hmm. who becomes Mrs. DeWinter's sort of only champion, right? Yeah, a little more of an ally, right? Than yeah. anybody else in the movie. She so seems far. to always kind of have her back. And but more importantly, also for me, served as sort of a window into who Max DeWinter is, right? Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. brother and sister. So you want to believe that if if she's this beautiful, wonderful, nice, caring person, understanding, empathetic, all these things. These are qualities that Max probably shared once upon a time and and has since lost because of what we're about to learn, but can maybe get there again and, and she's going to help them. It just, she was a much more sympathetic character and, and kept me she, I found her to be more of a much needed breath of fresh air, right? We mm-hmm. talk about all this mm-hmm. oppression, all this darkness. When she's on screen, her sort of loving approach to Mrs. DeWinner gives you that break that you need and, and then lets you dive back in and see that stark contrast throughout the film. Yeah, I think you're 100% right with that because without those moments, then I don't know that a sane person who really has married this man on a whim would continue to subject themselves to this. Right. right. Why would she stay? And it's her. She, she's like, I'm not going to go back down. I'm just going to leave. She's like, no, you're going to pull yourself together. We're going to go down and we're going to have a laugh about this. Like, yep. you know, she's encouraging her to find her place in this world. Yeah. I found myself saying a lot of times, I was like 90 pounds a year. She can't find equal money somewhere doing something else. Like, right. And and you're absolutely right. That that breath from that character really does serve you to be able to put your head down and get through the next part of it. Um, 
and I, I think the the other character that really works well in 2020 is is Mrs. Danvers. I, I really didn't pay as much attention to her in 1940, um, but in in the 2020 version, she has is just so evil, and I think a lot of that goes to Kristen Scott Thomas because she's just amazing, and she is just you flip flop on her so much i mean you hate her then she's the nicest person in the world and then she's just pure evil and ultimately her story the way it ends in 2020 with her death is is a better fit and uh, i i like it more than how it ends in the 1940 in the 1940 she burns with the house and 2020 she throws herself off a cliff and i think that makes more sense in 2020 for the story yeah, and I couldn't agree more. I could take or leave Danvers in 1940, but yeah. in 2020, Kristen Scott Thomas makes this movie. She oh. is brilliant in this role. And I mean, she is she is a surrogate for Rebecca, mm-hmm. right? You know, we yep. we see Re- we see Rebecca's evil through Danvers. As as bad as Danvers is, Rebecca was worse. And, and this is what we come to find out as the movie goes on, that Rebecca is not who you are led to believe that she is. You know, people on the outside looking in have a view of her, of this yep. house, of this place, which we've we've discussed that already. People view Van- Manderley as this beautiful place. We are experiencing it in, quote, reality, right? Yeah. And, and so Danvers kind of serves as that vessel for who Rebecca really was um, mm-hmm. as much as the, how we view the house kind of shows the oppression, general oppression. Mm-hmm. But you, you mentioned also her death and, yeah. and I agree. So yes, in, in the end, Danvers burns down Manderley uh, in 1940. She dies in the blaze in 2020. And that didn't fully make sense, right? Mm-hmm. Danvers is Rebecca's lady's maid or, or whatever. And and she like I said, she comes to the house with Rebecca. The house, the house doesn't really mean anything to her. Right. She, her love was for Rebecca. I, I mean, I guess this is as good as time as any to kind of generally talk about the ending. And we already said spoilers. We always do spoilers. But what ends up what we end up finding out is that everyone thinks Rebecca is this wonderful, beautiful thing and that Max has been devastated by her loss, all this other kind of stuff. And what we come to find out is that Max hated Rebecca. Uh, <laughs> they were married and we find out four days into their honeymoon, Rebecca's like, guess what? I've got your money, I've got your name, I've got your house and I'm going to bang everybody I can see. I've been doing it my whole life. I'm going to keep doing it now. You're never going to leave me. If you divorce me, it's going to shame your family name. On and on and on. So the deal is, I'll be as chill as possible. I'll keep it on the low. I'm going to turn everybody out. But, you know, I'll play the doting wife when it matters. And you're going to play the doting husband. And we're going to dance this dance for as long yep. as we go. What ends up happening is through a series of events, and we won't spoil <laughs> all the twists. This movie is filled with twists. But yeah. what we do find out is that Max hates her and um, she ends up dying and in slightly different ways that we'll talk about in just a second. But she dies and then Max covers it up and plays yep. it out to be a full-on accident when she was sailing and she drowned. Danvers in 1940 she burns the house down 
um, and, and then dies in it. But in 2020, she burns the house down, yes. But that is only to rob the De Winters of their, essentially, everything, of their world, their house, yes. but not just their house, right? In, you, in this time, she's essentially robbed them of, what, arguably, conservatively, 50% of their wealth, if not more? Yeah. Right? I mean, he's lived there. They've, they've lived there for hundreds of years. So yeah, I and mean, this is the '30s. So you know, his wealth is tied to the house, not obviously the land. And he still has the land, and he can make a good bit of money selling that land. Mm -hmm. But you know, the house. But what's in it? Priceless paintings and and tapestries and all the like the stuff that these old families accumulate. Yep. Um, and now that is all gone. His yep. livelihood is gone. His wealth is gone. And then she kills herself by jumping into the ocean, the same ocean that seemingly claimed her, what she sees as her daughter. Yeah. And that is a much more fitting end, that she wants to die the way she, the Rebecca did. She wants to be with Rebecca in that way. And that she wouldn't want to die in Manderley. Manderley mm -hmm. means nothing to her. Correct. Um, so, so, yeah, I agree completely. The death is so much more fitting. Yeah. And that's how the movie ends in 1940. It just ends that way. And it just, it doesn't, it, it just feels a little empty. Um, and so I think that that leads me to my next point is that I think in 2020, the overall ending is, is better. The third act um, with a, maybe a minor exception of a kind of a, a left turn that we take, but the fact that Max, essentially murders Rebecca, though I don't see it this way. She wants to die and sort of, in a sense, does a suicide by cop. She gets Max into a fit and she has a gun. And and so he ends up shooting her and goes about you know covering up her death. And that feels so much dirtier to me and justifies the next parts of the movie where there's this inquest and, you know, his life is now on the line because they're, they've opened this coroner's inquest into um, his, the, into Rebecca's disappearance that subsequently could lead into a murder trial, his arrest and murder trial mm. and him having quote unquote murdered her and covered it up justifies everything that happens afterwards. And in 1940, it's played off as an accident. They're arguing, and she trips and hits her head, and he panics. He could have taken the the right way out and called the cops and said, "Hey, this is what happened." And you know, she hit her head. There she is on the floor. There's the the you know the heavy piece of boat tackle that she clocked her head on. Oops. Um, and it just makes the rest of the movie feel a little hollow. So I definitely like in 1920 where there's this this more of a a darker end to it which also justifies his torment, right? Because, you know, to the world, it could seem that he murdered her and he may feel that he murdered her, but she wanted to die. So it's a suicide. It, it's, it ends up being a suicide whatever way you slice it. It's a, again, it just makes it, it adds to that darker tone that we've been referencing uh, throughout this part. This is a really interesting part. And, and I get what you're saying. I mean, I think... Well, yeah, in her perspective, it's a suicide. He never really knows the the depths of what yeah. what she was trying to do. And so it's as much as it is a suicide for her, it's very much a murder for him. Mm -hmm. But I absolutely agree that it not being an accident, an accident is more palatable. We yeah. can forgive that. 
right? Yeah. Because in the end, he's acquitted of the charges, and a lot of people maybe struggle to accept that because he is a murderer. That's a fact, right? And, and they, they have a hard time seeing him not suffer those consequences. But again, if it's an accident, like you said, you can explain that. And it mm-hmm. doesn't fully draw me in as a viewer as to like why he's making all these choices. Once we know that, we're just kind of like, why didn't you just... Anyways, but in 2020, like you said, it drives his motives, not only by why he is so troubled but why he hides it yeah why he goes through such lengths why he gets so aggressive when people get close or start talking about rebecca or it even comes up right any of us who have told a lie if 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 you've woven this lie and then someone starts asking you questions you, you get hyper defensive right yeah you're just absolutely. like let's change the subject let's move on so this is particularly interesting because the 1940 version, like you said, plays it like an accident. A lot of people find that more palatable. And I certainly did it first. When I watched the two movies, I kind of listed it and said, you know what? It being an accident makes it more forgivable. I can still like Max DeWinter, even though, yeah, he made the mistake and tried to cover it up. It was in a panic, whatever. It is what it is. But it turns out that the 2020 version is actually in line with what happened to the book. So in 1940, when Hitchcock went to make this movie, censorship rules would not allow a movie to depict someone guilty of a crime to have an ending where he wasn't punished, right? So in the case of this, if Max kills and murders, knowingly murders Rebecca, he must go to jail. And that's not what happened in the book. So Mm -hmm. he couldn't depict it that way. So he changed it to make it an accident, which appeased censorship rules. And apparently the (laughs) author was enraged by this. She absolutely hated the fact that they changed her ending. So 2020 rectifies this and actually does it the way the book intended and has Max murder her. This is even more diabolical. Having Max actually do it, right? Rebecca wants to die, like you said, kind of a suicide by cop type thing, Mm -hmm. given her diagnosis, but she doesn't want to just die, and it can't just be an accident. She needs Max to kill her. She wants Max to kill her, because on her way out, she wants to die, knowing that he's going to rot in prison for her murder, and she's still going to get her one. It's, It's like the ultimate win. Right. She's totally banking on the cousin showing up. She sent him a note saying, I need to talk to you urgently tonight at the cottage. Right. So that is he's she's fully banking on that. So to lay that plan out, he's going to catch Max red handed with a gun in his hand and her body on the floor. And he's going to rot in jail. So this ending, the right ending, you can see why the author of the book and why the first movie ends at well you do get the court stuff and everything in the, in the first in the original but you can see why she was so upset because this hate this powerful powerful hate permeates so many aspects of these characters right and this ending makes everything better it makes that moment better because you can really see just how twisted Rebecca was to think that way. Um, yep. You know, the ball costume thing makes more sense, right? Because mm-hmm. because that hate is made so clear, the fact that Rebecca 
Okay, you think originally that Max gets angry because um, Mrs. DeWinter dresses like Rebecca did. Okay, And at first what you think is it reminds him of her and he's upset about that. Then you find out he really doesn't like her. And so maybe he's just mad that, you know, she did it. But when you find out the depths that she thinks of how to hurt Max, what she did in that ball is that she picked his most beloved relative and she as his most hated person dressed like that to taunt him and to insult him and to basically just laugh right at him in front of everyone and have nobody know and make him swallow that it makes all of these moments better and then the last part is that when mrs de winter and max are finally done with everything he's mm-hmm. acquitted and they're living their best possible lives together and they finally seemingly find happiness together after all of this their happiness is fully based on their mutual hate of Rebecca, mm-hmm. right? Mrs. Yep. DeWinter hates her because she's overshadowed her entire existence as his wife. He hates her for obvious reasons. And then it draws you back to that moment where Danvers is standing at the precipice of that cliff and she's about to jump. And her final words are, you'll never be happy. Yep. Right. And, and she's like, yes, I will. But then we see her. After all of this, she, Mrs. DeWinter is still dreaming about Manderley, dreaming about Rebecca, you know, thinking about how much she has affected her and how basically everything they have is held together by this hate for her. So yeah. in the end, who really won? 2020 ends with this true question of who's the real winner. Yeah. And, and yep. it is, it's, I, I'm having a hard time even like, verbalizing <laughs> how this movie made me and makes me feel. And you yeah. read these, you read these things about, you know, uh, these reviews and I never read other people's reviews, but I had to do it here because I just couldn't understand it. And they're just like, how can a movie so beautiful and so great be so boring? What? What? Uh, there's so many tone shifts. I mean, you, you shift like, like we've said from Monte Carlo to Manderley. And then the, 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 the third act in like when when mrs de winter and and max you know have cleared the air and now they're like fighting for their relationship and they go through this inquest and you know and this potential trial and you know there's some back and forth about a a a payoff to the cousin right and there's three distinct segments of this movie and Mm -hmm. it shifts and at no point was i bored because i'm constantly going through this and thinking about pieces and there's so many people you hate and like and it you just keep getting and there's so many twisted people to go with all the twists that you're talking about i mean ultimately you just have to take everything in just to try to figure out what is the deal here you know something is off but you don't Absolutely. know what. And there's something off with almost everybody. Like, there's just so much happening. And, you know, ultimately, I end up forgiving Max. Because if this, I feel like if this was the other way around, and this was an abused woman who killed her husband, people would be applauding her. Right? Saying she got out of this terrible situation. 
it's all he did in the end, right? The same thing. Like he wasn't phys- she wasn't physically abusing him, but she was abusing him in every other sense, right? So I can get over that. I think the one thing that that I, I, I failed to mention earlier that 2020 gets a little muddy for me at the end is this like pseudo espionage scene where Mrs. De Winter travels to London and then she gets caught. And that doesn't go anywhere. Why was that necessary? 1940 doesn't have that weird espionage kind of scene because right. it's not needed, right? It, yeah, we don't need they, her to discover it. Let the cops find out. Yeah, let it play out in the end. Like, no big deal. Um, but otherwise, the ending of 19 uh, of the 2020 version is just... It is killer. I mean, you go through so many range of emotions. And really, I think you're absolutely right, you know? One minute you feel good, and then the next you don't. And that ending, where you're just like, "Will they truly ever be happy?" I I don't know. They're they're her, they're they're nomads at this point, right? They have no house. She says as much, and she still can't stop thinking about Rebecca. Well, and that's that's the greatest point. First of all, this I can't express enough. This movie delivers so many incredible twists, and even certain things that you see coming. Ugh. They just, they hit home perfectly, but a lot of people struggle. And I've had people who I know who I, I told we were watching this and, and recommended they watch it too without, you know, sight unseen based on my wife's review mm-hmm. of the book. But, you know, they watched it and they, and they called and they were like, I hated it. I hated the fact he's a murderer and he just gets away with it. Right. People want that happy ending. But the truth is, is that's not necessarily what always happens. But yet this movie somehow still people I can I can totally see how people watch the 2020 version and say this murderer got away with it. And that drives me crazy. That's fine. But I can also see the arguments for, you know, yeah, this guy didn't go to prison, but you now suddenly have to question where they stand as people, right? Like she was this innocent, naive, loving, cute young girl. And now, and he even says as much, the thing I hate the most about her is that she took the innocence from you or whatever. And at the end of 2020, Lily James looks into camera and just gives this weird, like knowing smirky type look at the camera. These people are forever changed. She is haunted by what they've done and what she experienced and and they're doing their best, but like are they really free? Are they really yeah. free of this event? Are they free of Rebecca? Are they free of Danvers? I don't know. You could you could make that argument. Um and, and that's why I said, you know, who's right? Like are they happy? Are they not to Danvers when did, you just you can make an argument either way. It's so complex and it's so much fun and 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 it, I guess the last thing I want to say to bring this home is the reason we decided to try to do this this way. And, and I know it's been a lot of back and forth. I know this, this, this episode may be harder to follow than Rebecca, (laughs) but you know, I couldn't think of another way to have this conversation. And, and I think the real thing here is that watching these movies and seeing these reactions made me realize this is why I do this podcast. Yeah, right? sure. If you look at these reviews from genuine critics, and and, and I'm a harsh critic at times, yeah, right? sure. But when you look at these reviews, and they're so pompous and just over the time, and this is why I wanted to do it, because I think if people read what they're saying, it's going to do them a disservice. This yeah, movie, absolutely. to a casual viewer, 
like us, right? To call this boring, I'll never understand. I was no. riveted. I've watched the 2020 version twice. I watched yep. 1940 once. I watched mm-hmm. them back to back. Yeah. And I will watch them again. It was a fully engrossing, fully immersive, especially 2020. And I will say this. I would give the edge to the 2020 remake. So the other criticism that people make is that 2020 suffers because of the existence of 1940. And and I, I can understand. If you want to say the 1940 version is your favorite because of X, Y, and Z, absolutely. I can see viable arguments there. Mm-hmm. I can also see, and for me it's true, that 2020 was, I don't want to say superior, because because you can't compare 19, these are 80 years apart, yes. right? Yep. Like there's so much different between them while they're also still almost shot for shot the same as one another. Mm-hmm. So you, I don't want to say superior, but I, I enjoyed 2020 more. I, I felt like I, it hit me emotionally and, and I felt it more. Then I felt yes. 1940. I watched 1940 and it. I felt the campy moments and I felt that old timey, you know, old boy and all this other kind of stuff. And, yeah. you know, and it's fine for what it is. But 2020 yep. felt darker. It felt like it matched the what I believe, having not read it, what I believe was the was the intent behind Daphne du Maurier's writing. Mm-hmm. And I felt like 2020 brought that to life better. And and so I personally found it better. So I can see why people like 1940 better. I like 2020 better. I guess even if 99% of the population is in the camp of 1940, are these movies 60% apart no. on a scale of 100? Not by no. a long shot. No. Because I think as we've sort of laid out here now is what each of them does better is what the other one lacks. Right. So like there's, mm. they, 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 they pick the other one up in ways. Right. So there are things that you enjoy about both of them and they, they, they're not mutually exclusive. Right. This doesn't invalidate the 1940 version if anything you know it's bringing this this amazing story again based on the same book right so again you you can't go off the wall and change things dramatically um but it takes it's bringing this amazing story into you know the the our conscious you know our 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 pop culture conscience again right it's not buried in 1940 under the weight of Hitchcock's better known works, right? Like it is bringing the story out there. And I think what people are forgetting, and maybe it's because of the world that we are in right now, where theatrical release movies don't really exist. This is a Netflix original movie, right? Right. This isn't, you know, blockbuster at Regal cinemas. (laughs) This is, a Netflix original movie. And for us to say that, I mean, I, I think, you know, we've talked a couple times about doing these, you know, best of Netflix and we kind of, you know, groan and grit our teeth a little bit. Cause there's, you know, the best of Netflix is going to be a, a wide range of things, but you can't tell me this isn't a superior movie for Netflix. 
because Without it, it absolutely, you know, right. I mean, it just absolutely is. So to take this story, maybe right a wrong or two, you know, with the, with the, 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 the issue with Hitchcock's ending and, um, you know, to, to write a, a, that wrong, I don't see anything wrong with that. I, I don't see that this invalidating the other one. And I absolutely don't see it being that much worse. I just, you know, I was really expected to be blown away by the 1940 and be like, well, absolutely. This 2021 is absolute garbage. No, I, I felt exactly the same coming out of both of them. And I, I don't think there is anything wrong with that. I, I think I, I'm, I'm happy they both exist, but I think too, the more I think about it, I'm coming at this from a unique perspective that I think has helped me a lot. And it's that this, my theater background, you redo shows all the time, right? This theater company is going to do, you know, a doll's house and this theater company is going to do a doll's house. And, you know, Ford's is going to do a Christmas Carol and some other theater in New Jersey is going to do a Christmas Carol. It's still the same story. But there's a different vision to it, and there's a different aesthetic to it. And for some reason, in the world of film, we're really married to this idea that, like, there can only be one, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, we, we can't deal with this. And so we try and get around that by doing, oh, this is a reboot. So it's, it's similar, but it's different. And so we get something that is this similar. Sure, if you prefer to watch the 1940 version – Great. Some people prefer the way this theater does the Nutcracker and will go every Christmas and they won't go see the other one because they don't like the way they do it. That's perfectly fine in my world, right? So maybe I'm sort of used to that being like you can do two different productions of the same thing. It doesn't invalidate one way or the other. I think people get they, they, they are insulted by the existence of another thing when they don't have to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree completely. I think it's one thing to say that you prefer one version over the other. I think it's another thing to say that the other one is so much worse because the other one exists. And that's just not the case here. Um, yes. You know, and especially just given how similar they really are. You know, I think 2020 uh, takes some some risks i think they make an effort to sort of change it a little bit and elevate it i think it's generally successful we talked about that sort of haunting feeling um i I think that's lacking in 1940 i think to try to drive that home they do a few things that maybe aren't super necessary you know Mm -hmm. we talked about the sleepwalking we talked about that weird bird thing you know (laughs) there's a lot of stuff you don't need but does that make it take a 60 point hit no, it just doesn't, you know. So I guess if we're talking about ratings, for me personally, um, I would say 1940s Hitchcock version. I, I thought it was a seven out of ten. I mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was mysterious, and I thought it was what it was, you know, for a 1940s film. Yeah. Um, I think 2020 is an eight and a half out of ten. I sure. thought that I thought the character of Danvers was just that much more superior. I thought that the tone of the film was better. I thought it was, Mm -hmm. you know, that darker feeling felt more in line with maybe the intent that the author had originally. I thought that, uh, I thought the themes were so much more developed 
and well delivered and I thought they were richer and more complex and I liked having to sort of navigate my way through things and look back and have these little mini aha moments. I liked the power that the reveals had for me because it wasn't so spelled out. And if that's the type of filmmaking you like and the type of storytelling you like, I think maybe you would agree and I think you're going to enjoy this movie. I think it's an absolute shame anybody who looks at the reviews and sees, you know, this movie sucks in the shadow of its predecessor or this movie suffers because of the existence of Hitchcock's version and and that you would watch that one and maybe not this one. I think you would be missing out mm-hmm. on a richness. I think you should watch them both. I think they're both worth watching. Yep. Me personally, I... I preferred the 2020 version. I thought it yeah. was, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I'm dis- going to disagree with that at all. Um, it just, there's just a, I, I think the richness is the right word. It, there's just a little bit more meat to it. There's a little bit more consequence to the, 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 the end, you know, in the, this trial, I feel like there's a little bit more on, you know, in, on the line um it's just again there are parts of each one that you you will like you know will think work better in certain ways um but it's just it just it it, it's so i don't i don't want to say fun but it is it was it was yeah you know it's a fun ride it's a dark story but it's a fun ride you're paying for netflix anyway this doesn't cost you anything to watch this movie and it almost in a way feels like you know a shame because i think you're 100 right i don't i think this will be a disservice to this movie to to see this um and, and for people to 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 not watch it based on on the reviews because again i would have never looked up this movie from 1940 and watched it. Uh, it just would have never, I'm not even sure it would come up on a list necessarily, unless you were going through an Oscars list, right? Of like, I'm going to watch every Oscar winner from the last hundred years. I, it's not going to, again, come up on your top five Hitchcock. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it just, it is what it is. And it's such a great story and that has nothing to do with the 1940 version or the 1920 version or the the 2020 version it is everything to do with the book right it is a great story and it's a different story than anything else you've seen before so why not watch it i I just i think i think people are wrong in this case yep really really wrong fully agree you're welcome guys you're welcome that you have us to save you from these evil evil critics all right. Well, I think that wraps us up for yeah. our New Year's Eve spectacular. What justifies this movie to be a New Year's Eve spectacular? Uh, there's a masquerade ball, guys. Yeah. Boom. Next episode. There isn't one for a little bit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we are wrapping. This is our final episode of season one. Yeah. Do not panic. We are going to be taking a short break for the month of January. Tim's going to figure out how to do this dad thing. Uh, We're going to take some deep breaths. We're going to recoup and recover. I'm going to do some planning for the year to come. And then we're going to draw Tim out of his sleep-deprived stupor. And we're going to slap him back in that chair. And we're going to get back to recording and returning with brand new episodes in Season 2 beginning Thursday, February 4th 
in 2021. Would be would it be too much to ask that like we could do a real new movie at some point in 2021? You know, like go to a movie theater and watch a new movie. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. I already thought I thought about AMC was doing that whole thing where you could rent out a movie theater for like a hundred <laughs> bucks. And I think I looked like the new release movies were like I, I think they were like two fifty. And and I told Alyssa jokingly, I was like, oh, we could go watch Tenet for a buck twenty five each. And Alyssa was like, it's 250 to watch Tenet. Like you and Tim would go and watch it. And I was like, yeah. She was like, that's worth it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Whole theater to ourselves. Hey, yeah. I don't know. If, they, if this keeps going, they push my Ghostbusters movie again. It's now next summer. It was March. Now it's next summer. Oh, oh, things are getting dicey. Um. So, yes. So, guys, no more episodes until... February 4th, 2021. Still be posting up stuff on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. So you can still be in touch with us. We will keep you posted on when we're coming back. We'll send you reminders. I'm going to do a trailer. It's going to be a whole thing. Don't worry. We will be back in just a few weeks. Um, but we need a break. And I think you need a break from us. So yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. you don't. Who are we kidding? <laughs> we're amazing. Um, as always, guys, check us out uh, and all of our episodes we are hosted by Podbean, so you can check us out on the Podbean app, www.pausedreviews.com. But also, we are in all the directories, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, everything. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Um, shoot us a message on Instagram at pausedreviews. We post up stuff there all the time. Uh, you can also email us, if you must, at pausedreviews at gmail.com. That's it, right? Yeah, that's Nailed all. it. All right. Well, guys, we will see you in just a few weeks, February 4th, with our first episode of Season 2, Topic TBD. Other than that, as always, I'm your boy Frank. This is Tim. And we will see you in Season 2. Happy New Year.